Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Maggie Palmer. Hello, Maggie. Hey, Sarah. How are things out there in Ohio? They're good. It's a mild fall. Oh, very good. Very good. Um, it is seriously cold out here. Oh. And then Dimity, they were, they, schools closed early yesterday because of snow. They were supposed to get a foot of snow. Oh my gosh. I saw that on the news. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. But we had beautiful weather in Cape Cod for our retreat. Oh, like, it so was, jealous. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was dazzling sunshine it was so warm we were outside for a lot of the time like we did our welcome outside and numerous sessions outside it was just it was days that you just want to spend all day outside yeah everybody was in shorts Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just a, it was a fantastic, fantastic retreat. Although I had to leave early, which I knew ahead of time, because John what, had his professional dance debut. Mm-hmm. And he was in a modern piece that he got recruited for by the choreographer. And I just knew it was a modern dance piece. That's all I knew. And I, I also knew it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. And I knew I had to see it more than once because I thought I'd be crying so hard. I wouldn't be able to see anything <laughs> on the first night. So I thought, okay, I have to come back in time to see Saturday and Sunday night. So I missed opening night. And Jack had, my husband had texted me and said that the performance was just magical and funny and just amazing. And Jack took a friend of his and that guy texted me and he said that uh, he almost cried during the performance. It was so wonderful. Wow. I was like, I was like, wow. Okay. So, so John, my son is 14, just turned 14. Then the July he's a freshman in high school. So like I said, this is first professional dance piece and it was just mind blowing to see, but it was very uh, more whimsical and kind of loose and joyful than I was expecting. So I kind of was like, Oh, huh, like, I, I just sort of had to process it. And and John picked up on that. And he said, Saturday night, he I took Molly and my running partner and her husband, and they loved it. And uh, when, but when I got home, my son said, Oh, I think dad liked it better than you did, mom. And I was like, Oh, shoot. <laughs> and, uh, and then I saw it again, the next night, and I was just blown away. I mean, that's it. I think I just had to kind of be like, okay, this is this is the style and this is kind of what to expect. And I just could pick up on the nuances and it was just unbelievable. And he has a four minute has a four minute solo in it, and some of which is not set to music, which was very interesting and slightly avant-garde. And it was uh it was amazing to just watch him do his thing and do what he loves to do. I, I got so. chills just looking at the video that you sent me. I'm like, he's not oh. even my kid, but I'm <laughs> I was almost crying. The part without the music, it, it was just so powerful just to see him dance and hear, you know, his the, bare feet the on the floor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I was showing the video to Alex before we started recording. And so Alex was holding my phone. I couldn't see it. And I could hear the thump, thump, thump of John's bare feet. And I was like, oh, that really makes an impact, like literally and figuratively. So I'm yeah. um, uh, impressed you picked up on that. And so, but we are Dance Moms partners. <laughs> because... dance mom, I feel like we have to do jazz hands every time. Like, Dance Mom. <laughs> And, and we're both so novice, like we have no clue. Like you were like, huh, oh, that's interesting. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, and that, that's how I feel at these dance things. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Everybody's just fantastic. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so tell folks about your daughter and her Irish step dancing. 
I, I'm the worst dance mom ever, like dance mom, um, because <laughs> I don't know how competitor numbers work in Irish dance and nobody tells you anything. It's just this like <laughs> unwritten rule. Like, well, how are they scoring them? Uh, I don't know. It's up to the judges. And the judges were all from <laughs> Ireland because it was regional. Oh, and they were wow. very like, oh, the judges are from Ireland. I'm like, oh, yeah, no. Like, and we're mm-hmm. we're imposters. Like, you know, we're Americans. <laughs> trying These to do, yanks, what did they think they're doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Doing their dance, you know? So I was like, okay. I picked up on this like heavy vibe. Like, this is a big deal. And um, I thought she was competitor number two. And I uh-huh. was following the whole day competitor number two i was no, rooting stop. for competitor number two and at the end they they have they put up the scores on this big screen and i was following competitor number two and i thought she did great my daughter who was competitor yes. number five by the way <laughs> and so i'm looking at number two i'm seeing the scores i'm like huh well maybe i didn't know what i was looking at because you know whoever this competitor five was i mean she got like perfect scores and she was just killing it competitor five and i was like secretly like Ooh, where's competitor five and then they called you know marion palmer your new regional champion and i screamed because it was like double bonus i had no idea that and oh, this lady came running over and gave me this huge hug and we're jumping and we're screaming and i'm being like dance dance mom, mom. full of bags <laughs> And she like hands me a tissue. I wasn't crying, but she handed me a tissue as if I would. <laughs> it was just really the surprise of it because I'd been following the wrong competitor. Oh my gosh. Now remind me, Marion is how old again? She's seven. Seven? Yes. Oh my gosh. I thought she was eight or nine. Oh my goodness. No, and she was competing in the U9 because that's oh, wow. kind of how she is. So yeah, she was competing against... Um, some eight-year-olds, you know, on the cusp, mm-hmm. you know, cusp mm-hmm. of becoming nine, which is a big deal at that age. It sure is. That's a big difference. Big yeah. difference, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is just fantastic. And she and she, like John, is kind of new to the whole dance thing, right? Yeah. I mean, we did. We dabbled, you know, with lots of different dance, and then she did Irish dance in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. That's when we first started doing it, and she just took to it because. She lives in a world of fairies, like fairies are real. She has her little fairy Mm -hmm. garden and. Oh, I love um, fairy gardens. She feels like Irish dance is her connecting with the fairies. Oh, (laughs) I know. Which is so dear. Oh my goodness. So she was like, I was dancing for the fairies and I knew (gasps) they were helping me. They were helping lift me off the ground. And I'm just like, oh, it's so, it's so precious. Like kids you are like, just never change. Oh my gosh, you need to get that on, you know, audio recording. That is too wonderful. Oh my gosh. The, the, okay, well, sort of the pull on the heartstrings mom equivalent was um, when it, Sunday evening, you know, John was totally wiped out. So he went to, I thought he went to bed and he was in his room and the door was closed. And as I was walking upstairs, you know, I'd shut off the lights downstairs, made sure the doors were locked, whatever, walking upstairs. And I thought, oh, I wish I could go talk to John at that very moment, my phone rings and it's John calling me from, oh, you know, 12 feet away saying, mom, can you come in and talk? I was like, yeah, of course, honey. I was just thinking I'd like to talk to you. So I go in there and he says, mom, are you sad or happy? I was like, about what? He goes about the performance being over. And I said, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm really happy with how well you did. I said, but I guess I'm a little sad that it's over. And I said, how about you? And he goes, oh, I'm really sad it's over. 
And I, and I was like, oh my gosh. And so he, uh, you know, he was the only young person in the thing. The closest person in age was I think 40 in the dance. And there were four women, the youngest being 40, the oldest probably being mid sixties. And then the choreographer is a uh, man and he's close to 70, I think. And so, and he said how neat it was to hang out and talk with people of different ages and how they were planning on having a reunion dinner. And he was really looking forward to that. I was like, oh man, like he got a lot out of this. Yeah. I think it's probably similar to kind of that, like the half, after you run a half marathon or a marathon or whatever race, the the kind of blues, like I trained so hard. I did my best. Um, And you Uh know, our kids, it's like our, it's our heart out there. Yeah, yeah. Giving their all and watching them do what they're passionate about. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, I felt the same way after she we were driving home from Chicago, and I was just like, I am really exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like good I didn't enough. do good. anything. I just sat there and watched the wrong number. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got all upset for somebody else that I didn't know. Good running analogy. Good running analogy. Well, and then, um, so, but I, it keeps coming tonight. Uh, suddenly turns out we get to see John in the, um, semi-professional, um, uh, company, dance company that he does at school. He is, uh, they're doing a ballet number. And so I get to go see that at five o'clock. I'm not sure why I think they're just doing a run through and they kind of want an audience. So Molly and I are going to go to that. And then um, about 90 minutes later, there's um, an open house for potential incoming students for the next year, like kind of a, Hey, eighth graders come to our high school thing. And so they, the Jefferson dancers are kind of the big deal at that high school. And so they are going to do a hip hop number. So I'm very excited to see John do ballet and hip hop tonight. Yeah, that's really cool. And you won't have that quizzical look on your face because you'll be prepared. Okay, I know ballet. I know hip hop. Yes, yes. Because you're like me. Everything shows on your face. You think you've got this neutral expression, but really you're probably behind the camera like, huh. And he looked up and kind of saw your you know lip going a little cockeyed like, it's so true. Oh my gosh. Yesterday I was, uh, had dropped John off somewhere and, and my older daughter Phoebe was in the car and like some kind of troubling thought went through my brain and Phoebe looked at me and she goes, what's wrong, mom? I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you picked up on that. I know. I do that too. I feel like it's getting worse as I get older. People tell me things and I try to be like neutral face, neutral face. Right. Neutral face. But I know I I'm just you. like, hmm. <laughs> I love that, that phrase you said it the other day on a phone call and it's so true I'm like oh my gosh sometimes I'll be like you know think oh well, I'll ask that person that question I'm totally dying to know and I'm like no because my face will betray what I'm really thinking I know it's getting worse <laughs> as I get older and then I'm, like, I'm just gonna be that you know I'm gonna be like in my 70s or 80s just on the front porch drinking like box wine like whatever <laughs> I don't know that I wouldn't even care at that point because I've worked so hard my whole life to be like right. a little reaction, right. pleasant you can just, face. By that point, you can just have a, yeah, hologram of pleasant face come up and, you know, you'll press a button and it'll be pleasant face. Yes. And, I have no reaction behind. to this. The true Maggie will be the non-neutral face. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, all right. Well, our guest today is Latoya Shante Snell also known as Running Fat Chef. She's a chef, food stylist, writer, and a sponsored athlete. A deluge of health problems led LaToya to take up running a decade ago, and she morphed into an avid, avid racer, you will hear how avid, who likes to say she's leading from the back of the pack. 
A mother of a preteen son, LaToya is running the New York City Marathon this weekend, so I thought it was totally apropos to have her on today. We'll talk with LaToya after this break. Stay with us. LaToya, we know it must be a very hectic week for you, so thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to the podcast. Yeah. So we know you have a preteen son. Um, can you tell us how old he is? So he is 12 years old, going on 80. He has a mortgage, three children, uh, maybe a couple of previous lives, and he is a very interesting character. <laughs> I don't know where he gets that from. Yeah, I know. I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, like I'm super, super like uh, not like that. At a bit all. of an introvert. It's hard to pull it, things out yeah. of you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I mean, if anybody's willing to believe that, um, yeah, they don't know me. <laughs> yeah, you, you got a bridge in that city you'll sell to them. Right. So, <laughs> so can you tell us more about your Genesis as a runner, you know, how you came to be, um, this ultra marathoner? Yeah. Uh, you know, the last thing on the planet that someone could have told me six years ago is that I would be a runner. I would have laughed them at the park, but the <laughs> very strange part of my story is Actually, 10 years ago, um, and it's like a crazy side note I've never really shared with anyone. Uh, 10 years ago, I took up this, like, uh, almost like a joke, because I'm not, I'm very skeptic of things like uh, readings and stuff like that. I went mm. to this cafe, and um, <laughs> it's at the corner of my house, and they had open mics, but that one night, they had someone sitting there, and she was reading people's palms, and she looked at me, and the first thing she said is, you don't believe anything of this is true. And I was like, no, I don't, but I did it for fun. Mm -hmm. Here's 20 bucks. Um, <laughs> looked at me and she's like, you know, um, you're going to lose your job next week. Oh. It, it was kind of creepy. Like, she's like, you know, these things, um, these things could change. Like, it was the one thing that she actually did tell me. She's like, you know, something's going to, um, she's like, you're going to keep losing your career until you find the thing that you're supposed to be doing. You need to stop running from uh, something that keeps reoccurring. And she literally was speaking about, me being in the public eye, I was so anti-hero. Um, mm -hmm. It's scary. Uh, this is the reason why I call myself a recovering self-defeatist. Um, mm -hmm. And she actually told me, she said, you're going to find yourself in food, fitness, and social work. And I was just like, there is no way on the planet that I am going to be in any of those careers. I literally uh -huh. got into social work two years later. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, in the culinary, I was in the culinary industry on and off. For 10 years, like after that, after I lost my job, I went into culinary um, and then the recession really kicked in. And I was just like, you know what, maybe I should go into this um, because uh -huh. it was something I enjoyed. And uh -huh. now I find myself accidentally getting into this journey uh, after I went into the culinary industry. My back went completely out um, while I was at work. I was making a really nasty joke that I will not share on here. Um, <laughs> and people were laughing with the joke. They thought, because I'm very like, you know, um, extra. That's why I like to tell people I'm very extra <laughs> when it comes to my colorful commentary. And <laughs> I bent over and they thought it was part of the joke. And mm. my one of my sous chefs, he literally pat my back and I went face first into a pan of lasagna, which is painful. <gasps> oh. Yeah. And he's just like, and he's like, chef, chef, you know, I'm like, he's like freaking out. He's like, where's the pain? And I'm like, I can't tell you. And literally this pain was shooting up my rectum, um, oh, went oh. up my back and went down my leg. Uh, shortly after my husband picked me up from work, we went straight to the doctor. I was like, I'm not going to ER. I thought maybe I'd be out of work for about two weeks. Turns out it was a whole year. Um, that's oh. when I was diagnosed with sciatica, dis degeneration. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was pretty much um, tipping my scale close to 300 pounds. Uh, there was just so many things uh, that they hit me with. And that's when I found out shortly after I had gastrointestinal issues. After that, that's when I found out about 21 fibroids. It was just like my health was mm. just falling apart. And I was just still in denial. I'm like, I'm barely feeling sensation on my right-hand side. And I was just like, the, the New York spirit in me was just like, I'm going to keep my job, so I'm going to learn how to cut food on my left. Uh, oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, and the thing is that that type of pride or that type of drive sometimes has this extreme level where it's almost like a mixture of fear of wondering what the doctor is going to tell you. And I hear that a lot from my followers when they're terrified, um, especially as a plus size person. You know, we're like, we don't want to go to the doctor to hear someone tell us that we're fat or something that we mm -hmm. already know. But the reality of it is that if I would have waited anything longer, I don't know if we would be sitting here having this podcast. Um, wow. So uh, to kind of like bring things up forward, like a year afterwards, I saw someone on Instagram and I was just got to this point. I used to laugh at my weight and laugh at the idea that I wasn't mobile um, just to kind of not face the reality. I went from being super independent to relying on someone to help me wash myself wow. to using the bathroom, to doing the everyday things that killed me really um, not being able to cook, host mm -hmm. dinner parties, interact with people the way I wanted to. And I was just like, how can I change my life? Um, and it took for a random stranger, not, you know, somebody that's super famous or viral or has like, you know, 40,000 followers, anything like that. It was just an everyday person. And I was just like, wow, look at the workouts that she's doing. And I wasn't admiring. Now I can see in hindsight, I wasn't admiring her body type. I was admiring how, how happy she looked. And I was just like, mm. how can I get that? And mm. I reached out, like most of my followers, they reach out to me and they'll say, I've never reached out to somebody on the internet. I don't know. And I was that person. I don't reach out to random people. People usually come to me because I'm super open, but it's mm -hmm. never the other way around. Usually I'm that person that you have to keep asking me like, hey, do you need help? And give me that permission to actually take it. Um, mm. And I reached out to this stranger and I'm just like, how do you do what you do? She ended up selling like a whole bunch of beach body stuff. And I'm like, oh, no lady, I already got a whole bunch of in the house. <laughs> and, um, but she turned out to be a really good friend. I mean, complete stranger from Florida. And she's just like, what's holding you back? She's like, you're super, she's like, I get the vibe from you. that You're super extroverted, but you don't know how to, um, you know, she's like, you're, you're scared of accountability. She's like, how mm. about you use your social media as your honest point? I started mm. doing that May 28th, 2013. And I said, I'm going to use my friends as my passe accountability buddies to take me on my fitness journey initially for weight loss. And I know that's like one of those terms that people like look at like, oh, we're not going to talk about that. Um, that was my reality. That's, the, that's a story that I don't regret. And mm -hmm. I lost 100 pounds in a year. And mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, another stranger that I met recently, um, I met him through doing Berlin Marathon this year. Oh, I saw that picture. Yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. yeah and um, we've known each other for 16 years. MySpace. Um, mm, wow. <laughs> things. He signs up for this um, half marathon and he's like, I'm going to run the, um, the half marathon over here. And I was like, if you sign up, I'm going to sign up. He mm. signed up. The part of the story I rarely ever tell people is he never showed up to the finish line. No. To the start line. 
Meanwhile, I signed up for a half marathon. I don't run a block. I don't run for ice cream. The only thing I ran for was for the ice cream truck. Um, <laughs> here, Mr. Softy zoomed down the block. I mean, this guy <laughs> saw me so much during pregnancy. I ran out my house. True story. Ran out my house with like the shortest shorts ever. My belly is like extra big. People thought I was carrying twins. I'm seven months pregnant and I darted for the ice cream truck and <laughs> so terrified. He's like, ma'am, I will stop in front of your house every day if you stop doing this. <laughs> and, he, and he's literally stuck to his word and it's been, he's watched my child grow up that he's the unofficial god child, godfather to my child. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Only in New York. I love it. Only in New York. Like we like, you know, we we're, we get a bad reputation. Like we know we're extra grouchy and that's usually during rush hour. We are grouchy. <laughs> but any other time, like we have a really good spirit here, um, which is why I do the, you know, I do the New York City Marathon so much every year. But that's literally yeah. how I started this journey. It was like it was almost like everything in my life that's worked out has been happy accidents and uh-huh. it led me into running and I started meeting people because I had a problem with um, making friends with women because it was like a lot of trust issues I was like they're gonna they're gonna break my heart they're gonna hurt me you know mm. um it was just so weird in a dynamic where I was just like you know every time I make friends with a woman they don't understand me um I tend mm. to be the weirdo in the room or I talk too much or I put my foot in my mouth and next thing you know, I'm chasing away people. And mm. like guys get me, like guys are like, oh man, like, you know, like she's, you know, extra raw. And like mm-hmm. women was like, they liked me until they realized that my honesty is very, very honest. Mm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. To, it's to a point where like, you know, I had to learn through the years, even now I still remind myself where I have to check myself or I would even let people check me. That was something that I had a hard time doing before where I have to remind myself there is a thin line between being honest and being so abrasive that you're not considerate. Mm. Um, and that's something that even as the social worker background in me, sometimes we kind of be a little bit of a hypocrite to ourselves. And mm. I'm constantly reminding myself, especially with, you know, the day and age of the internet where we just feel very liberated to say whatever's mm-hmm. in our mouths mm-hmm. in our mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I got a platform. I'm going to say it. And as my platform has increased in size, I, re- I remind myself I have more than just a human level to be responsible with my words, but now mm. I have a social responsibility to not be reckless and react to the first thing that's thrown my direction. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. This, this running journey really was just something that I started and I said, I'm only doing this once as a bucket list item. I fell in love with an entire community um, and I used to be way faster and speed like mm. I used to be able to do 10 minute miles and you know do that for miles and miles and miles and when the weight started climbing back up I wasn't as worried anymore you know I was just like mm. you know what it's not about the weight it was about me just being active and enjoying this lifestyle instead of looking at it as this is something that you do just to look like you know look safe and have people not you know tell you that you're fat you know it's mm-hmm. more like embrace the lifestyle and you'll be able to keep yourself healthy along the way um so uh, that's how i started my journey (laughs) awesome 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 so how are you feeling about new york i know that like most new yorkers you must love doing your hometown marathon so how many times will this be for you running new york this will be number five and i'm so excited about it like i feel strangely calm 
Mm. Um, you know, like a, a thank you is because uh, last year, you know, I, it was the first time I ever attempted like a, a distance like this. Last year, I attempted my first 100K. Um, anything, mm. Anybody that's aware of what 100K would be like is equivalent to 62.3 miles. Mm-hmm. And this was in the Arizona heat. It was in the desert. It mm-hmm. scared the living crap out of me. Um, <laughs> I was the last finisher. And it was just something different with the trail community that they gave me they gave me hope. Mm. Um, they gave me a hope that as much as I love road races, the trail community is very intimate. It's like we're rogue. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you know, we're doing like these crazy like distances and you look at people and it was diversity at its finest. Um, mm. Not just, you know, like people, when we say the word diversity or inclusion, you know, people usually think of, Oh, we're only talking about size or we're mm-hmm. only talking about race. No, it, the diversity in body types, in minds, in spirits, you know, backgrounds. It's like everything that we bicker about on an everyday basis pushes to push to the sideline. We're not thinking about politics or religion or anything that might cause conflict. And we hmm. say we're showing up as we are. And we're going to embrace each other for the next 30 hours because it's going to be tough as hell. <laughs> and it, so it, it made like going into like the New York City Marathon like last year, it made it like a cakewalk. I thought I was going to be like yeah. in a world of pain. Like, don't get me wrong. My legs swole up two times, some, two times the amount. But I threw away the whole concept of I have to finish in this timeline. Otherwise, my mm. race is crap. And mm-hmm. I took that same philosophy and impl- I pretty much infused it into this year's philosophy with taking on so many races. Like people are just like, why would you take on a race that you might not finish? And I'm just like, it's not about the medals anymore. I've got a, I've got a hundred of those things. I've mm-hmm. literally gave away some of them. It's more mm-hmm. about enjoying the moment. I get to be a tourist in my own town. You know, most mm-hmm. New Yorkers avoid certain parts of New York. is like, oh, it's too many people. Now mm-hmm. I get to actually celebrate it through five boroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to make friends with 40, 50,000 strangers out there in the course. And right. the beauty of New York City is that you're seeing it with a different, like a different mindset, as mm-hmm. well as you're taking in everything. You, you're running across bridges. And then once you cross that line, there's something exceptionally magical about that experience. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I don't want to bring up bad juju um, about the past, but I mean, the way I was introduced to you and I started, you know, reading articles and following you on social media is you shared the appalling story about being heckled in 2017 in the New York City Marathon. Can you share that story with um, some of our listeners may not have known about it? Yes. Oh gosh. That 2017. And I, I literally like, um, like tonight, I'm actually going to be um, talking about that story all over again, actually, um, during it, um, for the New York City Marathon. Like, uh, it's pretty much um, an initiative called the Runners and the Alliance. And it goes uh, beyond just, um, well, basically the Runners and the Alliance is going to be talking about um, sexual harassment, um, mm. you know, all the way down to harassment, um, when it comes to online trolling, to bullying. And mm. basically part of my 2017 story is exactly that. So the months before it, uh, I have, you know, the, as a mom, uh, you know, and, you know, you're not another mother runner. Um, <laughs> I am a mom that has literally been dealing, like the one of the things I've kept dealing with was uh, miscarrying. 
And I'm sorry. I couldn't figure out what was going on with me. And I was just like, okay, I'm like, my body is like the biggest heckler I've ever met. You know, um, it, and it sucks. You know, like, you nobody wants to feel that way about their bodies. Like, you know, some mm-hmm. people look at their body and they say, oh my God, I need to lose this weight. You know, like, I'm not going to be perfect until I lose the stomach or my arms are too flabby. I didn't look at myself that way. I looked at it as my body keeps breaking down on me and nobody can tell me why. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last, I want to say I was training for Chicago Marathon, New York City Marathon, and New York Road Runners 60K, which is equivalent mm. to 37.2. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to be that psycho that signs up for staggered races because um, I like punishment, you know, clearly, you know, and, and, stale, and stale bagels, you know, so, <laughs> and, um, you know, so I was like, all right, this is going to be the year. Like I literally proclaimed it as the year of the fast. I was like, I'm going to get a faster time out there. I'm going to see what happens. And it was like everything went to crap really quickly. So somewhere around July, I found out I was pregnant. And I was just like, mm. it was like I was happy, but I had mixed feelings about it. I was just like, I keep miscarrying. Like, but I stopped counting after four. Um, yeah. So like that was number six or seven. I've literally like almost kind of blocked it out my head. And, um, I was just like, all right, I'm going to be positive about this. I started getting pains, like probably like week, it had to be like week six. I I wasn't holding, I wasn't carrying for too long. Um, Mm. got around week six, as quick as I found out was as quick as I was miscarrying. And, um, I remember going to the hospital uh, and they told me, hey, congratulations. And the lady like stopped while she was like, you know, like she heard the heartbeat, but she recognized there was a second baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this thing called vanishing twin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it basically means that the baby dissolves. Yeah. Um, baby A dissolves and or baby B dissolves, but the other one mm-hmm. is thriving. Um, mm-hmm. 134 beats per minute. I was convinced, like you just certain things as a mom, you just don't forget. And I was just like, I remember hearing that heartbeat and I said, there's hope. There's, there's still hope. Um, I'm still going to have this baby. I'm going to be fine. I said, all right, you know, well, maybe my marathons will be a little bit slower, um, mm-hmm, but we're going to mm-hmm. make this work. Or if I have to walk away from these marathons, I'm going to do whatever um, I need to. It wasn't yeah. even 24 hours later, I miscarried. Oh. And I literally had a mental break. Um, <sighs> that's a rough one for me. Yeah, I had a mental yeah. break I'm and so I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I was convinced I was gonna I was gonna quit. Uh, mm. So I have my blog, you know, Running Fat Chef. I started it yeah. August seventeenth, twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. and I thought it was still naive, like about the whole process. Um, my friends are like, "You need to create a space um, outside of Instagram because Instagram is not a blog. Um, mm-hmm. You're writing all these long paragraphs, which, haha, I still do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but I was writing like these." long blogs essentially on Instagram and Facebook and they're like can you please go back to your open mic days creative space a dedicated space where you can tell all these crazy stories with all your f-bombs in there and I was like all Uh right cool you know so (laughs) 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 So I created this space and I really just thought maybe a couple of friends would read this and then I would treat it as an open-ended diary so if anybody that even if they weren't a runner and they just Mm -hmm. wanted to read my crazy stories I would treat it like a conversational blog where I'm like hey girl this is what happened today and you won't believe it and um I ended up picking up a really good following with it like it went from 10 20 people to 500 to thousands of people literally responding Mm. back to me in emails and messages started following me or whatever and this is like probably when I had like about 5,000 followers at most um 
and here I am getting traction, starting to get media attention. And I was just like, great, this happened. I'm quitting. I don't care who's following. Um, mm. I had a mental break one day and I actually ended up uh, admitting to my blog that I had miscarried. Uh, and my husband was trying to like, my husband and my, like my friends were like trying to pull this blog down and like, mm. they was like, you need to speak to someone. You need to speak to a therapist. Um, and for some reason, I can't even remember putting this blog up. I still kept it up to this day. Um, mm. cause I was just like, after I started seeing the feedback and people started writing me and they, they started sharing their stories with me. And that's probably the only reason why I committed to doing the rest of those. But I was convinced that I'm going to do these three mountain three, you know, three events. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to tell everybody, Hey, you know, thank you for joining my adventure, but I'm done. Mm -hmm. Um, the root.com reached out to me, mm -hmm. um, because of the New York city marathon heckling. So around mile 21 and 22, I'm running on the course. I was enjoying it. I was looking at it as my last hurrah, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to enjoy this mm -hmm. and you know, we're going to make this a big party. I get to mm -hmm. mile 21 and 22, Mark Discovery Park. This guy says to me, it's going to take your fat ass forever. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm like, no, he didn't say that. You know, like, so mm -hmm. I was like, you know, the New York in me is like, excuse me. Like, you know, and he, <laughs> so he repeated it and mm. he was arrogant. Like he made like a couple of steps up and he was just like, he had this smug look on his face that just infuriated me. And mm. as a true New Yorker, oh, of course, I, I let him have it. <laughs> like, good, good. It's just like, you know, like, you just, just use your imagination. I probably said it. And <laughs> it, just, it took two women on the course, like, because everybody else is just like, oh, okay, you know, New Yorkers being New Yorkers, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but these two women on the course saw me, and I guess they were, like, tailing me. You know, like, you know, we're just leapfrogging each other throughout the course. And they're like, yeah, yeah. They're like, baby, don't do it. Like, it's not worth it. You're going to be on the six o'clock news. They're like, there's just, just, oh. you know, you're four miles away from the finish. Don't let this guy get to you. But, mm -hmm. you know, people say things like, and even I get it now where people say things like, oh, don't, you know, don't feed the trolls. The problem mm -hmm. is, is that once you read it or you hear it, it's already in your head. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to tell somebody to, to pretend like it doesn't exist is almost, uh, it's almost a little dismissive at times mm -hmm, because we're mm -hmm. human. It's, it's, there are going to be days where it's like, all right, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, it's whatever. To hear it mm -hmm. during a race, yeah, you yeah. are not expecting that. Um, I had it in my head for four miles. I was so infuriated. I, I ended up going down to a walk. Um, this, this, and I saw a couple of people from Black Runners Connection, um, James Ravenel and a couple other people. And they're like, girl, what's going on? Like, you know, like you're, you're usually happy by this point. You know, you're delirious, but you're happy by this point. <laughs> and I'm telling them about this. And I'm like, I can't believe this happened. And this and this. And they're like, get it out your head. Keep moving. So I got across the finish line. I think I've crossed in like seven hours and four minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, com read that section. And they said, hey, we want to nominate you for this section called the Glow Up Gladiator. I never even mm -hmm. did that section because mm -hmm. by the time we were talking in email, they said, have you ever considered writing? And I'm like, aside from writing poetry on my own or doing open mics where I pretty much was like almost like a stand-up comic because it was like the most profane love poems you can ever hear. It was just like, <laughs> think Lorena Bobbitt and you get... <laughs> <laughs> a true New York reference. Yes, yeah. that's, the, that's a nice little New York reference right there. You know, just like those were my love poems. And my husband, like at the time before we even got married and we were just dating, he would be sitting in the audience and he's just like, you're going to torture these poor people. And they would just crack <laughs> up. And the poor person that I would choose in the audience to kind of like hold my hand, would be like, oh, okay, it's time to actually walk away from you. You know, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but 
they, yeah, they, they, they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And it was a low mm. point. And they said, hey, listen, we're willing to pay you for this story. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'm a chef. Um, I'll, I'll pay his crap. Yeah, I'll take this story on. <laughs> um, and it, this is a story that changed my entire life. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just like, people are going to forget it. Like when they when they posted it up, they didn't give me a warning. Um, oh. They said, oh, it's going to be up. You know, it's going to be up in a couple of weeks. It was up in like, you know, I was like literally there for that section for the glow up. It was very new. It was brand spanking new. It was like only mm-hmm. up for a week or two. Um, and that story had over 60,000 hits in hours. Oh my um, gosh. And wow. it scared me so much mm. that I remember um, at first it felt good to have people send me their stories, but I read so many stories that I was just like, why am I going famous and viral for this? Mm. Why, why, why are people identifying with this? And it made me angry. It made me yeah. angry beyond yeah. belief to read this from kids to read uh, messages from older people. Um, some of the stories that hurt me was reading it from, I had one lady, she was like 65. And she's like, you know, um, my family don't, they think, I'm, she's like, the only reason why I run is because I know that at least I'll be able to talk to people. People expect mm. you to kind of die after a certain age. And mm. it just hurts. You know, mm-hmm. even to this day, when I get messages from people, it hurts. It uh, I realized that my story was a metaphor for so many people um, that it didn't have to be that you're a runner. You know, it could have been you're a ballet dancer or maybe you're a plus size, whatever, or maybe you're a person with disabilities, or maybe you've gone Mm -hmm. through this, this and this. And I'm just like, how can I make this story bigger than me? So I started Mm -hmm. actually embracing it a little bit. And I was like, I'm going to do this for a couple of months and that's it. They're going to forget about me. And Mm -hmm. I I was just so pessimistic about it. I was and. But people started interacting with me different. I had somebody take a picture of me on the train while I was sleeping, mm. like a selfie. Oh my god! And oh. my instant reaction is punch it in the face. <laughs> like you know, and they was like, "I'm so sorry." Like you know, he was like, "I just recognized you." And I mean, this is months on months on months, and I'm just like, "Is this gonna be my new real life?" Like I couldn't hold on to a job because nobody didn't want to hire me. They like, you have a line. And they don't want to order anything. They just want, they want to take a picture with you and you, mm. you're, you're a brilliant person, but you know, we can't sell anything like this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I just happened to be fortunate enough that Hoka Oni Oni reached out to me and they was just like, how can we help you accomplish your dreams? And I'm like, mm. I've never had anyone actually ask me that, you know, I'm mm-hmm. used to being the person that helps other people, but people yeah. look at me as the strong person. You know, mm-hmm. strong people don't need help. That's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like the biggest lie you can ever think. Sometimes the person that's smiling in the room are probably the most depressed. Mm-hmm. And um, they were just like, you know, they kept calling me athlete. Um, mm-hmm. And that was something that was, that, that, shri- that strikes out to me now. Like this year is the first year I've actually looked at myself as an athlete. Not because, not that just because of the fact that they sponsored me. It was just, that I kept telling the people and we sometimes tend to be hypocrites to our mm. own advice and I'm like you're an athlete if you're doing the work you're, you're an athlete if you're doing work you know I would say like mm-hmm. a mantra but I couldn't say it to my own reflection mm-hmm. and so when they offered um, originally they offered me to um to me they said hey we're going to start this ambassador program which would be interested and I was like oh I don't know and they're like why would you not you're you're doing all these races you're inspiring people with your story you're super charismatic and i'm just like i'm super depressed you know mm-hmm. um i'm still a work in progress and then you know the the pr director was just like everybody's a work in progress you mm-hmm. know and that's 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 your superpower 
that you're mm. being honest, you're being vulnerable. And sometimes people need to see the other side of athleticism that we're still human, you know, mm. at the end of the day. And um, somehow I end up getting like eight, you know, like eight different companies. It's just like, hey, listen, I'm intrigued with your story too. How can mm. we help you? Mm. If it wasn't for that, I don't know if I would actually identify myself as an athlete, um, even though I've looked at others who do the same things I do, sometimes more, sometimes less. And I'm like, those people are athletes. And I couldn't see it in myself because I've been scared my entire life to be successful with the fear of someone is going to take this away from me. Mm. And the reality of it is what, regardless of how many people are looking at your journey, if you can't believe it, then it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, this year forced me to acknowledge my highs, my lows, my downright worst and say you are still an athlete despite your size your shape your background your differences or your time and i think that's what made me stronger this year and i think that's what really helped me diversify my voice to where i'm at now i started off this year with probably ten thousand followers um on instagram and i mean i'm not a big person on numbers aside from like maybe my bank account and <laughs> you know uh when it came down to like this morning, I looked at my account and I'm like, how the hell did I get to 38,000 followers? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, wow, wow. It's, it's trippy, you know, to kind of look at that. And I'm like, you know, and the thing that I remind myself, even with the journey is never stop being yourself. Because the moment I can't yeah. recognize my reflection, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's so, beautiful. Yeah. So this marathon now is like the, it's my favorite. Um, you know, I literally like last year, um, I ran past that same area and... I was nervous. Like I literally had put it on my Instagram story. I'm like, I'm nervous to run past this mile marker. There's a group called Harlem Run and Run for Wall Woman. They literally stood up, they held hands and they was like, you're not getting heckled this year. And mm. ah, I'm about to cry now. But um, mm. wow. it was just so powerful yeah. to know that I wasn't alone because I'm so used to doing things on my own and not being able to rely on people or rely on the community as much as I love it, you know, love being able to have a tribe. I didn't know if that tribe truly existed until things like that has been manifesting itself since I've started talking about this story. And I'm like, I got to start believing in the stuff that I'm telling people, you know, like you, you can't give that type of advice to people and don't believe it, you know, because somebody's yeah. going to call you out on it. And um, when I started giving in and started giving being really vulnerable to myself, not even mm -hmm. to everybody else, being vulnerable to myself. Mm -hmm. That's when my story started to even resonate with even me. It was like, almost like writing. I look at that, that, um, that, that letter, well, not even a letter, but I look at that um, article even mm -hmm. now. And I look at it as that was probably a love poem. I need to tell myself for probably 30 something years. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And Wow. Wow. That was very powerful. Thank you for sharing. I know. For I sharing feel like Barbara yeah. Walters. I feel like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're crying, yeah. you're opening up. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, so, so for people who um, are running New York city this weekend, you know, as I said in the intro um, before you hopped on that um, there's a reason I wanted to have you on with this episode, you know, um, so you've done it five times. I mean, what, advice do you have for folks who are running it this weekend and you know kind of practical things about like you know what to bring out when yes. they have to wait at the start or you know stay toward this side of the street or you know this thing or how to tackle the 59th street bridge or whatever it is 
Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, that, that's definitely uh, my playground. So after doing this for, um, <laughs> for you know, for you know, now it's going to be five years. I'm going to let you know this right now. Here's some unofficial rules that you may not be able to read on your handbooks. Um, you might find love in a couple it. blogs. Uh -huh, um, love. Uh -huh. So if you're a wave one runner, you need to get there ASAP. The bus is definitely the best option. And I mean, by now you have to make a choice or the choice was made for you. Mm -hmm. um, choosing the bus option when you're a wave one or two is probably the safest method to get you there on time because those buses, like the last bus departs at like seven o'clock. Now I'm a wave four runner, which means that I don't start until 11 o'clock. I think a wave three starts at like 10, 15, 10, 30. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. you know, of course the times get a little bit quicker then. If you are in the back of the pack, like mm -hmm. I am, you are essentially choosing either the bus option or you're choosing the ferry. Now, mm -hmm. um, as a person that's done both, um, last year I literally had to do both because, no, I think it was the year before, I procrastinated a little bit and then mm -hmm. I missed my train and I was like, oh, great, um, I can't get on the bus anymore. How am I getting there? Took the ferry option. The mm. ferry is chaotic. So if you are even a wave three runner, please make it there as soon as possible. Mm. So you do not miss your wave if you are intentionally trying to go for wave one or wave two or, you know, or make it to your actual wave. Now, mm -hmm. if you're wave four, on the other mm -hmm. hand, you really need to make sure that you are bundling up. So if you're yeah. a person that gets cold fast, expect to be waiting around in your village because that's what they call it. They have different colors, like orange mm. village, green village. Um, I think it's like another color or whatever. But basically, they separate it in groups. So you have to take in consideration, this is an Abbott World Major. Um, mm -hmm. So you're talking about 50,000 plus runners who are super yeah. excited but sometimes neglect certain things. You know, mm. I should tell you the obvious, um, don't try anything new on race day unless you truly have to because it is nothing like going out there and having um, the way that I opened up my blog. Um, Hi, my name's Latoya Snell and I crapped on myself at mile four. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, like this is a very real thing. I've seen it happen to people. And, yeah. you know, some people, then it's like, well, I don't care, you know, um, but other uh -huh. people are just like, oh my God, this is the most mortifying thing. You don't want uh -huh. that to be the thing that's going to ruin your race day. Sure, um, sure. So the thing is with a cold body, and I can tell you from experience because two weeks ago, this is the first time I've ever experienced it. I did the Chicago marathon. I completed uh -huh. my 26.2 because of how cold it was. The longer you are staying out there in the cold, the harder your body is working. Yeah, and yeah. despite finishing that race, my temperature dropped so low that it not only made me shiver un out of control, they had to call EMS and then my oh. sugar, my glucose level dropped down to 20. Oh my God. That is, for anyone who's not aware of what that is, that means that your glucose level, your sugar level should be, the average person should be between 70 to 120. I know this is wow. type 1 diabetic. At mm -hmm. 20, most people are not coherent. They're not able to respond. I happen to be exceptionally lucky because, mm -hmm. again, I've had an instance where I, I pretty much was knocking on death's door. So I don't want mm. this to happen to anyone. Like, yeah, I, they, yeah. I was literally, I was literally walked around with this traumatized for weeks, and I was just like, I got to get an examination on everything. Like, I went to the eye doctor, dentist, everything that I can possibly do. I'm like, let me get myself checked out because I'm signed up for 14 marathons this year. You know, so mm. <laughs> like, wow. You know, like, I mean, my doctor's like, you're nuts, but you're a good kind of nuts because you're always here. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's uh, it, it's one of those things that you want to take um, take with you. Um, so carry something that's a throwaway that you can keep yourself warm um, on race day. When you are lining up, um, they separate you into corrals. 
they also have three sections of the bridge of where they start you at. So yeah. um, depending upon what area of the bridge, once you get off the bridge, which I have to say to people, don't, don't, get, don't get so excited that you start darting off and you lose all your energy at mile one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. It is very easy. It is the common thing that I see so many people do. They go out there and they're like, whoo, you know, um, this is so exciting. They get pepped up. They get hyped. They scream on the bridge. And I'm seeing these same people who are dusting me. I'm seeing them at mile eight. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Oh, life sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you have 26.2 miles to be excited, contain mm-hmm. that energy, and spread it equally on that course. Whatever is going to get you through, let it mm-hmm. get you through. And do not be ashamed to walk some of this if you have to. People are just, oh, I'm not a runner. If I start walking, yes, you know, that, that marathon medal is the same. Unless you're trying to go for first place, it's the same. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's goal is different, so I can't tell them what motivates them. But mm-hmm. um, when you get in Brooklyn, Brooklyn is relatively flat, uh, which means that people tend to go faster uh, mm-hmm. than they should sometimes. Now, maybe that works for some people. Some people's strategy is run like hell, and whenever they feel death actually touch them, they just let it take them over. Um, <laughs> that's not my method, <laughs> even though I do get caught up with that, even as. Uh, runner you know doing all these races um i would definitely suggest that if you can control it and if you've already practiced it in your repertoire slow yourself down even more than you think you should mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. because brooklyn is re- not only relatively flat the cheer section is probably mm-hmm. really killer Mm-hmm. Just as much as Manhattan is for a wave two, wave three runner. People always talk about, oh my God, Manhattan is where is that? And I'm like, as a wave four runner who is slow and back of the pack, and the word slow is relative to some people. Some people consider a 12 minute pace slow. I happen to be that person that's a 15 minute, 16 minute pace mm-hmm. for a marathon. So my slow is slow. It's a, it's a walking pace for some people. Um, I don't tend to see all that stuff in Manhattan. People are gone. In oh. Brooklyn, you're talking about being in Brooklyn from Mal. Well, after you get off the Barrettano Bridge in Staten Island, from mm-hmm. Mal two until Mal eleven twelve, because um the Pulaski Bridge is Mal thirteen point one. You are going mm-hmm. to be in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn, oh, it gets louder and louder and louder, especially when you hit Greenpoint. These mm-hmm. people literally throw a party. Like, this is not even an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. They throw a mm-hmm. party in the streets. They will offer you beer if you let them. Um, <laughs> if, it, if you are not conditioned to that, don't take it. Um, and if you believe in stranger danger, really don't take it. Um, so, um, just, just, you know, just, just, you know, don't, don't get too caught up where you're like, oh, this is a this shot of fireball is starting to, you know, um, <laughs> just, you do it. You know, um, as, a, as, a, as an ultra runner, I'm kind of conditioned to things like that happening. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a road runner and you're not used to that type of excitement, don't do it. Um, mm-hmm. Once you get to Manhattan, this is where people start to break. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not Manhattan, I'm sorry. Um, Queens. Once you get to Queens, these people start to break. Uh, you might get thrown off with the Queensboro Bridge. It feels like hell to be very honest. Um, <laughs> and it gets really quiet. And that's where people start to get in their brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried from Mal 14 to 16, um, my first two years. It was like everything irrational and rational came to mind. And mm. I recognized I was not alone with that sentiment because you, 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 the, most, the more you're quiet, the more things start to seep into your thoughts. Yep. Remind yourself 
this mile is only 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. This is only a section. And whatever dark darts that may come to mind, let them go through. Let them go mm. through, but know that give them permission to pass as well. Don't mm. dwell on it. Don't try to hide from it. Don't try to ignore it. Question it. Ask yourself, why are you going through these doors? Why are these coming to mind right now? And then give yourself permission to say, you know what? You exist, but I'm going to let you go. We'll resolve you some other time. So once you hit mile 16, my favorite part of the race um, is meeting my girls. Um, sorry, guys. Um, I'm a huge fan of Black Girls Run because they, they are my tribe. Um, awesome. they, they literally, like, they were the, pretty much like the group that actually got me going and kept me in the sport for six years. Um, they are a loud chair section. Um, when you think that you are going to lose hope because of the Queensboro Bridge zapping everything out of you, they will give you life at First Avenue. But First Avenue is a slow climb. Um, uh-huh. Anybody that knows the Bronx knows that the Bronx is very hilly. Um, <laughs> and anybody that's actually perused through certain parts of Harlem know that that can be a real killer um, to your feet, which is why I keep emphasizing slow down um, in Brooklyn. So uh-huh. take as much water as you need, even when you don't feel like, oh, I don't need no water. You don't want to wait until you're completely dehydrated and now you're in trouble and you're bonking. Yeah. Um, for my own personal experiences, like I'm, this year, I've been introduced to a lot of lows or a lot of unexpected, unexpected things that I've never crossed in my mm-hmm. last six years. Eat regularly. Um, mm-hmm. Practice. You should by now. You should practice eating while running. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, if there's something that don't work with your stomach, stomach, find something else. Um, if you know your electrolytes, time it. If you have to be cheesy and corny with it, keep it um, keep it taped onto your arm, on your um, on your sleeve or something, or mm-hmm. set alarms for yourself. Remind yourself mm-hmm. to eat, to hydrate, and get those electrolytes back in your system. You want to be yeah. able to enjoy your race instead of thinking that you're doing a death march and it's not yeah. just your feet going off and saying, yeah. why are we out here? Yeah. <laughs> um, when you get closer um, and you get to the point, mile 20, you know, that's when you'll see the Willis Avenue Bridge. Now, this is a special note for people who might be uh, at a pace like me, anything that's like six and a half and above. You will hear this announcement from New York City um, Police Department. They'll say the race is over. This is not true. The race Mm -hmm. is not over. This means you have to shift yourself onto the sidewalk. And please, just do yourself a favor and just respect that sentiment. If they're asking you to go to the sidewalk, respect the course. Um, You know, as a person that's done so many marathons, there's times where people don't even give you the courtesy of allowing you to continue a course if they announce the race is over. New York City is one of those gems, one of those special gems that actually say we're going to let we're going to stay around here until the last runner crosses. Yeah. And when I say the last runner, I mean, people are coming in over eight hours and still getting medals. Give them if they're giving you that respect. Give them that same respect that just really just follow the rules. I know it may suck going on the sidewalk, but just continue on. Remind yourself you are still part of this race as long as you continue to move your feet. Um, Now, the one thing I will say is that unfortunately being part of the back of the pack, um, some of the things might be taken down. You might see mile markers removed. Um, You might see things like, you know, water stations not being there. The beauty of New York City, ironically, as rude and um, disrespectful as we can be, is that (laughs) on this day, we somehow develop amnesia and say, oh, we're kind-hearted people. And (laughs) the, the one thing that I will say about spectators is that sometimes they will can out candy. They will hand out bottles of water. If you 
unfortunately, New York City Marathon, because of the Boston um, Marathon scare, um, I don't know how yeah. many years ago, yeah. they are super strict about no hydration packs. Please oh. Carry water on your water bottle and refill at every station. So if it means that at mile 16, you're not seeing the water stations as frequent, which New York mm -hmm. City Marathon, I can say for 2018, they mm -hmm. actually started stacking them on the sidewalks and they left wow. one table available. It's not as many, but it's one table mm -hmm. available where they'll keep refilling those cups. But wow. it's not guaranteed. One of my friends, she's a person that's definitely an eight and a half, you know, nine hour marathon, what essentially means that she is walking the entire mm -hmm. course and she's not doing a speed walk, you know, mm -hmm. but I celebrate her just as much as I would anyone else. Because mm -hmm. I know her experience, and that's something that I'm not used to. I know her experience. She literally had people set up. Like, if you have a support system, have mm -hmm. them set up at different markers or meet you. Like, my husband, he likes to jump on three different trains. And he oh has certain sections say, okay, I cheered you on. Woohoo, do you need anything? He'll call uh -huh. me with, with his cell phone. Like, hey, do you need anything? Do you have anybody on the course wow. who need anything? So wow. you might see my husband out there and he might be that person <laughs> that will help you. Like he literally has given away, like, I'm like, Hey, I don't need all this stuff. And I'm like, and he's like, what do you want me to do with it? And I'm like, give it away to one of my fans, you know? Oh, and that's awesome. But as soon as I see somebody out there and they say, Hey, I need something. And there's not something out there. I'm like, Hey, look for the guy that he's like a, like a black Bob Ross. <laughs> but he really does. When he grows out his hair, I'm just like, Oh, I'm like, I love you. I'm like, and I'm like, Honey, um, Bob Ross is sexy. So that's for me. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but if you ever see my, you know, my little scruffy man out there and you happen to see me on the course and I happen to pass you and you need something, there's a possibility that my husband might want to actually help you. Um, oh, that's so, awesome. you know, and the thing is that sentiment happens to be out there with a lot of people you even see homeless people and the thing is sometimes like the one thing that people don't realize is that homeless people actually say things and keep you inspired i've had people that you know that sometimes we ignore that population and don't yeah, realize yeah, yeah. that that's the day that they actually feel special too because you're oh. responding back oh that's awesome so that's your chairs will come from strangers residential um you know people that's locals all the way down to people who are celebrating other people that were in the race let mm -hmm. that go through you until you get to central park when you're in central park i don't care how dark it is keep moving mm -hmm. there will be mm -hmm. people out there there are literally uh groups like november project to like mm -hmm. the final finishers on that the final i forgot what the group is called but they literally like um they, they basically cheer on people who are like the last people out there in the course and they will stay out there and they will be lights for you and they literally will mm. hold on to lights when it is so dark that you don't know where you're going and they will guide you even when those mile markers are there, do not ever think you are alone when you are in Central Park. You will not be. There will be mm. people out there. And I'm telling you this as last year was the longest I've mm. ever been on a course. I was out there for seven hours and 42 minutes because I did 100K six days before it. Wow. And there were people who were literally out there cheering and screaming and still had signs telling me, go to the finish line. Nobody forgot you. Oh, that's let, awesome. Let that go through you until you get there and celebrate it. But I will mm -hmm. say this, once you cross that finish line, keep moving. Um, you mm -hmm. don't want your heart rate to kind of, um, you know, plummet to a point where it's like, oh, this is shock. And um, there's the unofficial 27th mile. Mm. So the unofficial 27th mile, unfortunately, means that you have to walk throughout oh, yeah. Central yep. Park. And 
depends on what option you chose. I like ponchos. Um, I'm a residential mm-hmm. New Yorker, so I don't do bag check and I usually have my family carry my stuff for me. Mm-hmm. If you have that option, the poncho check for anyone that's doing 2020, I will be out there. Um, mm-hmm. I do ponchos um, options every time I get the chance because your body temperature, I don't care how hot or cold it is, your body temperature will drop. Yeah, and yeah. to be able to prepare yourself for that, if you have comfortable shoes, something that will actually, you know, that you can replenish your body with, do that as soon as possible. As you probably have heard through your 16 weeks, 20 weeks of training, eat something within that first 30 to 45 minutes, nothing more than an hour, because your sugar levels will drop for sure because you did 26.2 miles. And just really just savor that moment. Um, I'm yeah. hoping that, you know, there's no incidents like, you know, no medals are available or anything like that. Um, I've only seen one year where they like they pretty much somebody stole a bunch <gasps> of medals. Yeah, it was oh. really I think this was like two years ago. Somebody like like pretty much like they swiped, literally came oh. and swiped the medals. And like, you know, mm. this is something that's not, you know, not in New York Roadrunners like control. But they yeah. are they ever since that incident they were so diligent about making sure people have their medals um, and making sure that people who actually, you know, finished the race were getting what they actually deserve and they earned. Um, yeah. But really just, um, and, and then afterwards, I think the only little advice that I have other than that is if you're, uh, if you're a person like me who likes to remember those things, remember to document it as, as soon as possible. Whether that is through oh, a video. Yeah, that's good through yeah. whether it's through writing I, i'm an old school writer i like notebooks pen and paper um write down the good the bad and the ugly because sometimes it's almost like pregnancy where you remember how much pain you're in you remember you tell yourself i'm never doing this again and then two weeks later you see a race at two o'clock in the morning and i'm talking to myself on this um and you're <laughs> like oh i want to do this you want to be able to relive that moment especially if new york city is your first course um you never get your first back so write down all that stuff and have it be an experience that you can remember for the rest of your life that you can be able to tell this story just as colorful um Mm -hmm. as you are experiencing it and that's really the advice that i have for people um doing this race oh that is beautiful latoya thank you so much for sharing of yourself today it's it's um really a powerful thing thank you so much and we will be cheering for you on sunday have a great race thank you thank you so much all righty bye-bye all right. Have a good night, y'all. Oh, wow. I wish I had about half of her energy and and wit and uh, candor. Wow, she's awesome. I, I love people who are open books. It's just so mm-hmm. refreshing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, it's going to be uh, fun uh, seeing how she does on Sunday. And it and, uh, looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. That's what I hear from my, my people in New York. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, okay. Have you seen... I think Maggie, I think you might have seen it. The Another Mother Runner camouflage track jacket. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. So it is uh, gray and black all over camouflage pattern. We had our designer make it special. And it has a um, our stacked logo on the left arm in kind of shades. It's kind of an ombre uh, shade from coral down to poppy red. That's on the uh, left upper arm like a tattoo. So it increases the cool factor. Of course, by me saying cool factor shows I am not cool. So I'm not sure how to get around that issue. But uh, it is a mighty fine jacket. We are taking pre-orders on that beauty until November 8th. And then we'll ship it on or before December 13th. So for domestic orders, it'll arrive in time for holiday gift giving. So again, we are taking pre-orders on our AMR camouflage track jacket through November 8th. And people, it is 
Once it's gone, it's gone. We're not ordering a whole bunch of extras. If you want one, you got to order it by November 8th. And to do that, you go to motherrunnerstore.com. You either click on running tops or there is a link and an image to it on the homepage. So again, that's motherrunnerstore.com. Our podcast today was recorded and produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward of Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Do you go by LaToya or Shantae? I go by both because um, one article basically um, made people basically call um, call me by all three names. And it's like mm-hmm. almost turned me into a serial killer. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy got nothing on you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I literally when um, like every time people introduce me, they'll either do LaToya Snell or L. Shantae Snell or LaToya right. Snell. It's been so many variations that I'm... I just kind of go with everything. I mean, what is it? Why do they give serial killers? Why do they, you know? Because you don't want to be like John Smith. Right. Like, oh, you're that John Smith? Like, no, 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 that was John James Smith. No, and they all have, all serial killers always have kind of, but always kind of, I don't know, a very odd middle name. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's always like, I mean, maybe that's the thing that screws them up, you know? Um, <laughs> you know <laughs> Although Jeffrey Dahmer, I I do not know Jeffrey Dahmer's middle name. Yes. I don't know Ted Bundy's middle name. Yeah, no. Ed Gaines' middle name? Oh, I don't know from Ed Gaines. That's a good one. I used to totally, oh my gosh, as a high schooler, I just was so into like, I guess there weren't podcasts back then, so just books about serial killers. Right. Should I not be admitting this? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) 